You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 61 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for October 2018. Uh, this is an interview show, uh, but just before we get stuck into the interview, um, I just want to say a few words um, and then we'll move into the interview. So you can, I don't know if people know this, but you can leave feedback um, at letstalk.ie and um, I'm not the world's most prompt person at getting back to listener feedback, I'll be honest. Um, real life has been extremely busy the last while and I've had to sort of compartmentalise things and when I'm not recording the podcast, I'm not really thinking about the podcast very much, uh, and I just because I can't, um, and it, I wish it wasn't like that, but it is. So I generally do my best to get back to everyone who leaves feedback. Um, I will apologise that sometimes WordPress's spam detection it, it eats comments. Um, it, it sometimes eats completely spam-free comments as if they were the world's spammiest spam, and it keeps them in quarantine for a few days but if i don't notice them in quarantine they may actually be deleted and i may never see your comment which is extremely annoying i don't think it happens too often um but yeah false positives and spam detection are extremely annoying um but in general i do see people's comments and i do my best to reply eventually um but like i say apologies if i'm a bit slow about it because it's just that's that's how real life is at the moment um anyway the reason i'm saying that is because i got some really good feedback from listener steve uh steve suggested two things really um that when i do interview shows i should set up the interview beforehand sort of to explain you know well of all the people on planet earth why is this you know, person of interest. Why Why should the listener care? What are we hoping to get out of this conversation? And that's actually a really good suggestion that I'm going to take. Um, and Steve also suggested sort of a more NPR style to interview shows where I would basically edit the interview down to just the best bits and edit it together into a compressed format. Um, that is a very valid style. Um, that's a, I mean, it, it results in very highly produced, um, potentially very interesting content. It's certainly a valid way of editing together an interview, uh, but it's not the style I want for this show. Um, I, I thought about it hard, and I've decided no. I let's talk photography, right? So I do want the free flowing. I want it to be like you're sitting in the pub, you know, in the, around the table in the pub, and we're having a chat about photography. So I don't want it to be highly edited. I don't. It's not what I'm going for. Um, so yes, I am going to set up interview shows by explaining, you know, a little bit about the interviewee and stuff up front. But I'm not going to start editing the interviews. Um, I, I, it's just I don't think it's right for this show. I think it it works very well for other shows, but I don't think this show is a show for that. Anyway, Steve, thank you very much for taking the time to write such thoughtful feedback. It is very much appreciated. And uh, with all that said, uh, I'm going to set up this month's interview for you. Okay, so the person I decided to have a chat with for this month's show is Antonio Rosario. Uh, and that's a name that uh, long-time listeners will probably remember from back when we used to do panel shows on this show. And Antonio regularly graced us with his presence and was always very insightful. 
And Antonio is also a fellow podcaster on photography. So Antonio has his own show, which is the Street Shots podcast, which he does under the umbrella of Switch to Manual. Uh, and recently, Antonio has also been doing a fair bit of guest hosting on the Shorter Time with Sid and Mac podcast, basically being pretend Sid. Uh, well, Sid was on hiatus for a while, um, and they were very enjoyable shows. So I can I can recommend both of those shows. Um, so why why the conversation with Antonio now? Um, I was thinking about you know what kind of photographer am I? Sort of on the back of of last month's show, actually. Um, I was sort of thinking, okay, so what's my point of view? And that sort of got me thinking about who do I know whose point of view is completely different to mine? Who who takes photographs in a really, really different way to me? And immediately, Antonio sprung to mind. Antonio's photographs are all about people. He's, a, you know, well, not all, but most of Antonio's work is street photography. And most of Antonio's street photography is about the people inhabiting that street. The, the street is almost a backdrop. It's not the main character. It's the characters on the street that are the main character of Antonio's photos. Uh, whereas I sometimes have people in my shots, but it's the place that's the main character and the people are just sort of there. So it really is an inverse of my own photography. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to someone who sees the world so differently to how I see the world and who photographs the world so differently to how I photograph the world. So I asked Antonio if we could have a conversation about shooting street photography, about you know what he thinks about, how he goes about it. And it was actually an extremely interesting conversation, so interesting, in fact, that uh, I had to basically... I had lots more questions I wanted to ask and we ran out of time. So I asked Antonio if he would come back and he very graciously has agreed that he will. So at some stage over the next few months, we're actually going to have a part two of this conversation. Um, it's not going to be immediately one after the other. We didn't record it at the same time. So it's going to be a separate conversation. But we we came to a sort of a natural break in our conversation and uh, I decided we draw a line under it then and come back, back another time. So this time around, it's everything up to the point where you take the photo is what we talked about, really. Um, and what we didn't talk about is the processing of those images, which is, I mean, street photography has a very distinctive style, so that's something I definitely want to talk to Antonio about in the future. Nor did we talk about sharing, which is also something I want to talk to Antonio about, because both myself and Antonio have been having a um, an interesting um, relationship with social media. Um, I've, I've been on a real social media diet and it's doing my mental health the world of good. Uh, and Antonio has been on a very similar path. So I think sharing is something we'll probably talk about too. So anyway, I'm going to stop babbling on now and just cut over to my conversation with Antonio Rosario from the Street Shots podcast and from Switch to Manual. Hi, Antonio. Nice to talk to you again. Hi, Bart. It's been a while. Well, it has been. So it's a monthly show, and I've been sort of talking to myself, um, which is actually slightly inspired by that. you. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've been doing a lot of a lot of solo shows even before it it, it sort of became official that it was it switched to manual is now just you, unfortunately. Um, but I really enjoyed some of your solo shows, so I I figured I'd give it a go too. And it, it's thanks, thanks. I think I have to record one later today because it's the end of the month. So yes. I need to. Uh, to put one out uh, by next week. So I, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. 
But I'm glad I'm talking with you because it might actually spark some ideas. Well, you actually, you guys have been great. You're with um, with Sid out. It's been yourself and Mac doing the um, Shutter Time with Sid and Mac, which we should rename Shutter Time with Antonio and Mac. Uh. No, 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 no. I was I was filling in for for Sid. She's on hiatus. Uh, although I think they just recorded they just recorded their new show this week, and ah. I can't fill in for her. I can't fill those shoes. That is she's yeah, she's she's the uh, you know it's Sid and Mac. But I was really happy. And honored to be uh, on their on their show with Mac for I think I filled in for five weeks. So yeah. we had some really good discussions. So you know anybody who uh, who hasn't you know subscribed to their show yet, I would suggest you do. Uh, yeah, but I, I can't feel her shoes. She's you know. Yes, but they are my Canadian cousins of my podcast. <laughs> yes, well, I, I mean, you guys basically a, a lot of my a lot of the recent shows has been pinged off of things that you, that has been raised on that show either by yourself and Mike or Sid and Mike. So it's you know it's it's fun when these things when these communities close. Anyway, so yeah, I like that. So the reason I asked you to join me for a chat is because your your style of photography is about as different from mine as you can come across, <laughs> which is why I thought you it think? would be fun. Well, yeah, because. The more I analyze what I do, and the last show I put out, um, which as we record this is just a few days ago, it was basically, you know, sort of when you're photographing, what's your point of view? And that sort of made me think about my photographs. And I realized that I, I tend to take pictures of places and things. Right. And you take pictures of people, like interesting people and people in interesting situations and people in interesting places. But the majority of your photographs i you know it's it, it's people and their environment when i look at them is what i get anyway i mean is that your intention well yeah i mean i live in a in a very interesting place and uh you know as you asked me to be on the show and and, and um i i was thinking about this like what what was going on in my mind because i also photograph places and things too in fact uh, i mean if i could just take a quick step back uh, I recently bought a digitizer for my camera to start digitizing slides. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at a lot of my old pictures. And you might see them on Twitter. I don't know if you're following me on Twitter. but um, I do, I I do mean, but I, I treat Twitter like a river. Every now and then I dip my head yeah, in yeah. and something interesting floats by. Um, but I have – I did I, your last show you talked about the fun you had trying to make your digitizer work with with a crop sensor. But you got there. Yeah, I got there. And, and what's been great is that I've been like pulling out slides. I might do that today on a, on a, on a break. And – uh, you know, looking at my old work and saying, wow, look at where I came from, because I used to travel a lot and, and I shot places and things. And and now I'm like totally I want to say the opposite. It's not the right word. It's it's totally shifted. But I, um, I was like, where did this really come from? And I was always shooting street photography like all the time, just like we all do. You know, everybody does all kinds of work, right? So you're walking down the street and you see a picture of somebody, you know, and you take a picture. But then like when you're in a location, you photograph it. Right. Hmm. Um and so, like, I live in New York, so how could I not take pictures of people? But I wasn't doing it kind of exclusively. And it evolved uh, as I moved into the place that I'm living now, which is a different part of Brooklyn. And uh, I, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary of having moved into this uh, neighborhood. Cool. And, yeah, I know. I was like, wow, 10, oh, 10 years has flown by. <laughs> but... Um, what ended up happening was as I, as I started to explore my neighborhood, I saw that it was more of a, you know, I live in a residential neighborhood, you know, not so commercial, you know, and uh, there was just a lot more people living in this area. And we're such a mix of uh, ethnicities in this area. In fact, at some point, 
in in uh, in the past ten years, the New York Times had uh, listed my zip code, my area, hmm. as one of the most diverse ethnically in the entire country. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and so and we have people here from all places, and to me, this is kind of what exemplifies New York. You know, New York is just sort of a melting pot hmm. of of cultures. And as I would walk around, I started just seeing like how everybody's doing their own thing and bringing their cultures from wherever they uh, originated from and bringing them to this neighborhood. And it and it occurred to me that that was something I wanted to record. And as I started walking the streets and looking around and I started taking pictures of people, actually, you know, ironically, I started on my iPhone. <laughs> so just as you were going, just, oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. Snap. And and the nice thing about my iPhone was I could do it, you know, without having people notice me taking pictures because that's kind of the style. And then it just sort of evolved as it became an, sort of an addiction, you know, um, wanting to see uh, different people doing their things and, uh, I guess it's more out of the curiosity and sort of the, um, I don't know, the desire to just learn about uh, people through photographs that it just sort of evolved. And now it's like, I, I have to say it is an addiction. <laughs> just well, good kind. Every, yeah, it is. I mean, they're good addictions. Uh, I can't not take pictures of people now because I'm so interested in what they do. And I just, at a certain point, I think it's just sort of made me love humanity even more in some way, you know? So... Cool. So, yeah. do you? So, so you're okay. So, you, you, the, the aim here is is to capture this amazing melting pot that is New York, right? And so, do you go out with the intention of shooting pictures, or do you go about your life and just always have a camera? Uh the latter, definitely. Um, there, although there are sometimes when I decide I'm going to go out, but mainly these days I've, I've, I'm spending my time working and, and just to survive. And so I find it often not easy to get a sort of a chunk of time to just go out and take pictures. Uh, and so what I end up doing is I just carry my camera around with me all the time. And and now it's just like, it is a piece of jewelry. I, I don't mean that in, in sort of the bling way. No, no, as in, just, if I leave the house, this is with me because otherwise I would feel like I was missing something. Right. right. And the couple of times I've walked out without my camera and like I'm on, on my way to work and I'm like halfway down the block. I'm like, damn, I forgot my camera. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, that's like that sinking. Oh no. And I was like, well, at least I have an iPhone with me. So I do have a camera if I need it, but it's just, it's, I, I am, Sort of me and my camera are sort of linked together, and so when I when I do leave it someplace, it it uh, or you know I don't leave it, but if I leave it at home, it it kind of aches a little bit. But yeah, it's more times than not, it's I'm got a camera on my neck, put my bag on with my computer, and I head off to work, and I and I walk the same route, you know, uh, four or five blocks, about a half mile to the subway station. Okay, that's so the, your your public transport then, so that's a lot of exposure to, yeah, humanity. Yes, and and the neighborhood I live in is pretty dense, uh, densely filled, and so, but not dense in relative to like regular Manhattan. Okay, but where I live in Ireland, Antonio, trust me, that's dense. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I I get it is dense here, but what's so funny is that I rarely go into the city. I'm in a borough in uh, the borough of Brooklyn, so I don't necessarily go into. Even though we're part of New York City, New York City five say, boroughs. That's an interesting way of thinking about it because from an outsider looking in. When I, you know, when we hear the name, when we when we hear the word Brooklyn, we think mm-hmm. New York City. We we don't see there as being a difference between Brooklyn and New York City. We would think oh, of it as being a part of the city. There's a very big difference. Okay, you see, the, one you thing know, is that 
I, I mean, I live here in Brooklyn. is kind of full of itself a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> what they, right. Most places are, right? Well, yeah, but, but you know, I, I've been hearing that people are going to, you know, like going to Paris and stuff like that. People are saying in French, it's so Brooklyn. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. People are saying that. And there's Brooklyn cafes here and there. It's just like really? enough of Brooklyn. But, you so, know, it's a different – it is a different place. So, okay, so there's five boroughs, you're saying, yeah. to make up New York. Uh, and so historically, they would have had different communities in them. I guess is that is that sort of how it works, or because I think well, Queens is the only other one I could just think of off the top of my head. There's there's Manhattan, the Bronx, uh, Queens, Brooklyn, and Staten Island, and uh-huh. within each, there's multiple multiple communities. So there is not, but there is like this sort of overall, you know, sense of Brooklyn. Brooklyn has got a characteristic, or Manhattan has a characteristic, or Staten Island has a characteristic. Um, so for an uninitiated outsider like me, how would you sum up Brooklyn in, in a few a few sentences? Uh, certainly a, 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 a melting pot and a, sort of a hub for innovation. Um because it's really funny that like at some point in the history of the country, 25 percent of the population of the United States could trace their roots back to Brooklyn. Uh, oh, often, yes, because Brooklyn is like we're near the water. It was a place of where a lot of people uh, uh, immigrated to. Um, if they weren't making it into the city, they were they were moving to Brooklyn because Brooklyn is actually Brooklyn is actually part of Long Island. And I, I can't stand saying that people in Brooklyn don't real Brooklynites don't want to be associated with Long Island. But, when I think Long Island, I'm thinking Great Gatsby and stuff like that. Perhaps, yeah, I, and 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 the Hamptons and stuff like that, and rich people. Yeah, um, we're physically part of the same island, which is kind of weird to say that. And Queens is part of Long Island as well, um, but Brooklyn is really much a separate place. And and uh, it, if it was its own city, I think it would be like the third or fourth largest city in the United States in terms of population. Okay. Uh, so, it, and it was a city at some point, way back when, but. Uh, yeah, so I think you know what we have is a lot of innovation. You know, this the, the we have an area now they call Silicon Alley instead of Silicon Valley. Ah, okay, really. yes, that, that's a name I would have heard of. So that's Brooklyn. Yeah, so that would be considered Brooklyn. So there is the 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 innovation, um, the young millennials, the 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 people who live in Williamsburg, which is very hip and artistic. So, so I would think does the word hipster come into this conversation. Hipster is probably invented, or okay. at least hipster two point I would call it. Was might have been invented in Brooklyn, yeah. So uh, it is it is a place of experiment and uh, interchange and um, and melting, I think, together. So, and it's a lot different than I say the New York City because uh, New York City seems more well established and, and the finance is is strong there. Um, and I, I couldn't really categorize the other places so well. I mean, Staten Island sure. is also kind of like uh, I want to say the odd place out because it's actually physically far away you actually have to travel through over bridges or use a ferries so it's not as easily connected uh as uh, manhattan is to the rest of the rest of the place but yeah brooklyn has its own definitely its own characteristic and so if it's I a spend, melting pot yeah. is it a harmonious like it, 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 do the communities keep to themselves or is there uh, like there is. how we, peaceful is that coexistence of so many different cultures there's been there's been ups and downs, and I think right now we're in an up uh, generally. Um, for instance, like in the eighties, early eighties, there were some race riots, and there was a lot of tension between um, the African American community and the uh, Hasidic uh, Orthodox Jewish community, and and there was a, there was a lot of trouble. And then there's 
there was racial riots as well in the 80s. But the 80s was not a great time in New York City. Great time to photograph if you're here. But yeah, may, may you live in interesting times kind of Chinese yeah. Pierce, great time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but OK, just to sort of get an idea, right? Today. So if you have a melting pot of people, I am imagining that that means that there is a lot of different food establishments from different parts of the world, a lot of different cuisines. Would that be a fair thing to say? Very much so. Very. I mean, yes. I so mean, does, I, do people eat in the uh, in other cultures' food places, or would no, the community stick to their own? Uh, I I don't want to generalize, so I'm 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 stating from I think my my point of view from uh, what I've seen. But I live in uh, a neighborhood that is really at the edge of um, uh, uh, strongly uh, Hasidic Jewish neighborhood, uh, strong Pakistani and Bangladeshi and uh, Uzbekistan and Russian. Like there's very much those communities sort of are mixed in where I live. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a lot of mixing of cultures in that sense. Like I don't see, you know, Hasidic guys going into Pakistani restaurants and, and vice versa. I think the, the communities are very much still kind of insular. Uh, but live and let live, I hope. Live and let, absolutely live and let live. And there is, you know, you know, walking down the streets and you see, people who you would think would be at odds with each other and they're just walking by and enjoying life, you know? And so, uh, there is, I don't know what, how the groups feel against each other, but in certainly in the neighborhoods, we all live harmoniously. And that was kind of what I was seeing with my camera or actually seeing with my eyes first and then reporting with my camera is, is, and again, not trying to be like, you know, stereotype, like, Oh, well, look at these two people. They're different cultures, but they're walking next to each other. And, and 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 at peace and stuff like that. It wasn't. It's not so much of trying to show it always visually, but trying to show it within the whole um, pattern of of imagery that I take. And because I mainly walk down three or four streets, and the vast majority of my street pictures lately have been of only maybe five avenues, five avenues. Oh, okay. Because like when I look at your work, what I see is immense variety. Like just so many, so different people. If that's all on five streets, that that's kind of impressive. Yeah, more or less. I'm, I, yeah, my, give or I'm take, but yeah, still. It, but I could. Wow. I mean, I the if you look at my work on Instagram, I, I name everything by the by the street that I photograph on. So you'll have, uh, let me go through like Cortellu Road, uh, Coney Island Avenue, Avenue C, McDonald Avenue, uh, Fulton Street, um, Flatbush Avenue. Hmm. Uh, sometimes Beverly Road, uh, sometimes Church Avenue. So it really is. You can count the amount of streets I I do on two hands, cool. and and that literally isn't within the you know the, the the areas that I walk to and from work. And actually, when I go to breakfast, I go down a different street. I go to a coffee shop, and so uh, yeah. So yes, it is an immense an immense variety, just on you know five or six roads. And yeah. if you, so you're always walking down the same streets. So are you are you becoming known as that guy with the camera, or <laughs> is there question. so many people that you haven't, no one's even noticed that you're always on the same five streets? Well, I I have, uh, I don't know if I'm known of, as that guy with the camera, but because I walk around with it all the time, that I'm I'm expecting that people are not surprised when they see me, especially because I I have a routine. I go to work at a certain time and. You know, so you yeah. uh, often see some of the same people in some of the same places. And uh, I I also have, like, occasionally photographed the same person 
at the same time doing some of the same things in multiple different ways. Um, not that I'm stalking them. No, it's well. I mean, I have this too, right? So I cycle to work every morning, and there's there's a lady and her dog who I meet within a distance of about twenty yards. I mean. She's uh-huh. randomly uh-huh. doing her day and I'm randomly doing my day, but pretty much every morning we meet within a 20-yard radius of the same place. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's just the way things are. And uh, uh, what I'm amazed sometimes is with those, sometimes with those few people who I photograph multiple times, how much even variety, you know, is in their, uh, in their life, you know, and, and visually, you know, and... Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I because I walk around with the camera exposed all the time, I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy who likes to take pictures without people seeing because I like to record them. Yeah, you don't their... want them posing. You, you... Yeah, no, I've done a few times when I've asked people to take pictures, but the vast majority is I just want to see people, uh, you know, as if they were sitting in a cafe and watching them walk by and just being what they are because to me that's most – that's more interesting. And it's, it's sort of evolved from me having grown up at the city and not wanting to bug people, you know, and it's, and, and also being a big fan of, uh, like a Walker Evans style, uh, photographer who would go around and, uh, just, you know, take pictures of people on the street without them knowing, uh, or even like now Vivian Meyer, you know, she, yeah. she was taking pictures of people without them seeing. So I, I, I've, I've always liked that. And I sort of grew up with that style. Um, Cartier so, Resource springs to my mind for that sort of. For, yeah. Order. It, I mean, in his case, it's ordinary Paris a long time ago, but yeah, same idea, I guess. Yeah, and he's you know uh, he he also is like you know one with his camera. Every time I see a picture of him, he's got his you know he's got a cup of tea in one hand and his camera in the other. You know? Wasn't it Cartier Brisson who didn't even need to look through the viewfinder? He or he could focus just you know from the hip and just fire. I, I, I'm sure, especially some of the older cameras were probably a lot easier, uh, you know, a lot of the early 35 millimeter cameras, probably a lot easier to actually just set the camera up ahead of time and just, you know, shoot from the hip as it were, you know, which is, which is kind of the style I do. I, I, I sort of preset my camera so that I know the focus and the depth of field and, and I have a pretty good idea of the field of view of the lens. And, and so I'm generally just taking pictures without really looking through a viewfinder or, or the screen. So it's not that you're composing for 20 seconds and being really obvious. It's, it's a much more so you're not hiding the camera, but you're also not making a whole big song and dance. Exactly. Taking yeah. Exposure. Although there are exceptions. Sometimes I will set. <laughs> I remember one time I was coming home from work and there, the, there was a shadows on a wall in front of a bus stop and the walls red and it was beautiful. And it was, and it was that like uh, late afternoon light. So the strong, the shadows were really strong. And I, and I decided just to hang out there for about a half an hour and shoot. And people were like, you know, they would not want to cross in front of me. And I was <laughs> of course, like, no, yeah. No. I, I mean, I, the rare time where I try to include some people in my pictures, I want them to just be people. But they uh-huh. see a camera and they go, oh, I must not intrude. It's like, no, 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 you're doing the opposite. <laughs> right, right. I, there was one guy. He was like, he was like, he stopped and and uh, and he's like, no, no. I'm like, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. You know, and as you walk through, I, you know, took pictures of him. <laughs> you know, so, um. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I will set it up because, and then I'm obviously the photographer, you know, um, and people are then aware. They see me doing it and, you know, they can go in or into the frame or out of the frame, whatever their, you know, heart desires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I try to be sort of in the background more often than uh, right. in the foreground, you know. But, yeah, but not, so in the background, there, there, I guess there's a range between in the background, they're just being creepy and hiding the camera and stuff. So you're, you're in the just, Blend in 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if I am doing something obvious like photographing in front of that wall, you know, you see me with my camera and I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to be a sneak or something like that. But, you know, again, there's this idea of like, you know, sneaky, you know, like most of the time I am I am taking pictures and people don't know that. And there is the some people might be judgmental about that, call that sneaky and not, you know, and I, I, I don't try to prejudge it or anything like that. I don't you I know, know if someone wants to judge it. That's fine. But if you you know if you if you're in someone's home or whatever, then I would count that as sneaky. If you're on private property, I would count that as sneaky. If you're on the public street, that's not sneaky. You, right. It's just this is what happens, you know. And and uh, you, you've been videoed about fifty times between your front right. door and wherever you're going, anyway. Right. And and frankly, I mean, you don't you can't really have a presumption of privacy while you're walking on a public street. I mean, you, like you're saying, no. I mean, you're, you're walking in the UK. The UK has probably got well, maybe now. No, Maybe I think the UK still wins. The With UK, the amount of cameras, yeah. Yeah. Not in a yeah. good way of winning. But no, I'm pretty sure no, the, no, the UK but, are heading the curve on that one still. Yeah. There's no presumption of, of privacy on, on the streets. But uh, again, I'm not trying to make people uncomfortable or anything like that. I think I'm just – I'm recording what I see in life and it's become uh, – it really has become – I want to say addiction, but I just like – you know, if I don't go, if I go a day without taking a picture, uh, literally, right. it, it feels wrong. In fact, you know, I go and look through my Lightroom library, and the way I, I have my pictures uh, organized is I use uh, month, you know, year, month, and day folders, and I always look and see do I do I have the thirty one days? Does every folder have a picture in it? And I'm like, yeah. Well, then I then I succeeded. You know, and there might be oh those oh those two days. Yeah, I was sick at home and I couldn't go out but uh yeah i try to i make sure that i'm i'm trying to take pictures every single day and uh and now it's just like i don't even think twice about it you know uh, of course sorry it's a part of your routine now you are you know you photograph as part of your it's not a thing it's it's my day includes right it's just this is yeah it's like get up you have coffee bring a camera with you you know but uh as a part of my you know what I'm, what I'm realizing now. I'm getting to the point where yes, I am walking the same route and I am seeing some of the same things, and so I've become a lot more discerning about what I'm when I'm triggering the camera. Because yeah, maybe I photograph these same guys hanging out at the same place every morning, and and it what is what is new and different about what they're doing today than was yesterday. It's like well, not not a lot, and so I might not take the shot. You know. Uh, so it is becoming a little – so I do have to find some time to like start exploring different areas. And occasionally I get a chance to go into the city like to you know go to a movie or something like that. And I, I try to get there early and walk around and it's like, wow, if I spent an entire day in New York City, I'd probably fill up two sixty-four gigabyte cards of, yeah. of pictures because I would just be photographing like everything because it would all be new to me because you know, it's not my routine. So yeah. Now – we're not a gear show here, as I say, and I use the word "we" in the complete wrong mm-hmm. way, <laughs> like, like you still do. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one who does that. Yeah, me. You know, I am now Queen Elizabeth II. You know, the royal we. But anyway, this is not so much a gear show. But at the same time, you know, the art and craft of photography. Right? I don't really care about specific brands, but I do care about types of tech because it does affect the craft. So. Your camera is something you have with you at all times. So I, I'm assuming when you went to choose your camera, you're not looking at a 5D Mark II tank. You've obviously chosen right. differently. So what kind of camera do you use for this work? Well, can I can I just tell you the evolution? I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of a quick evolution, but um, I was starting with the iPhone. I can't remember what model I was using. And, and then 
I think like five, six years ago when Fuji was uh, announcing the X series cameras Mm. and somehow they popped up on my radar uh, or even the mirrorless, just mirrorless cameras in general, like whether it was a Ryko or I think the uh, Olympus pen I was like sort of looking at. What I was essentially looking at is like I can't do what I want to do with an iPhone anymore. It's just too restricting. Um, yeah. So I want I want to move away. I, I generally have a Nikon uh, D seven thousand uh, or D three hundred, and a, I have like a whole bunch of Nikon DSLRs. And I knew right out right that those those are not going to work on the street. There's just no way I can I can't even like they're just too heavy and they're, they're substantial bold. cameras. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a camera camera. And and so I started looking into – at some point, I actually – I have a, pan, a, a Panasonic Lumix LX3, which is one of the most fantastic, underrated little point-and-shoot cameras. And, of course, it's mirrorless. I mean, I, you know, all point-and-shoot cameras were mirrorless. <laughs> and uh, I used it somewhat, but it wasn't quite enough. And so Fuji started announcing the X cameras, and they had a point-and-shoot version of their higher-end cameras. I think it was an X – 20 am i yeah an x20 which is essentially an x camera that's a point and shoot and i bought one of those but it part of me was looking at it's like wow it actually kind of looks like an old style camera because fuji was making their cameras look kind of retro and so i got that and i was actually shooting that for a while my street photography and and what's nice about that camera it's got it's a fixed lens right so there's no zoom it's a wide lens, and the wide lens helps me capture a lot, right? And so, because I'm shooting from the hip, yeah. I can be a little off in my targeting of the shot, and you know, crop, crop, crop yeah. into it, right? And you know, and then from then, I was like, oh, I, I need, I want another camera. <laughs> and and everybody was starting to talk about. They were also coming out with the X100 series uh, cameras, which are. Not much different in terms of the look of the X20, but it's a more substantial camera with an APS-C sensor and, you know, a lot more uh, stuff on the inside. And I, I kind of just sort of saved up to get that, and I, I locked on to that model. And I'm still using that. I have an X100T, which is the third iteration of the X100 series. And when I got that camera, I, I, I had sort of like a midlife crisis with it. <laughs> In the sense that it wasn't just the camera to get for street shooting. There was something else about, and I know you don't talk about gear, but some, you know, we, we are sort of interlinked with gear because our art requires us to use. Right. Art. I mean, when I say we don't talk about gear, what I mean is I don't want to have a conversation. Right. Do you buy the Tamron versus the Sigma? Exactly. But I definitely want to have a conversation. Do I buy a, a super zoom or do I buy a fixed focal length? I mean, that is part exactly. of the craft of photography, right. right? This was a very personal uh, um decision for me because the, when I was shooting with my X20, the point and shoot version, there was a quality to the pictures that I, that was like, it was, it was helping me with my art. So it was helping me tell the story of the, of the streets that I was shooting. There was something that the quality of the lens and the, and the image was, was like, okay, that resonates with me. And I wanted to keep going with that because you know, you you start to see a pattern and a style and you say like, this is me. Like this is, 
this is what I'm trying to say to the world. And right. so at some point the, when the upgrades came in, I, you know, and I, I kept reading a lot about the X 100 and Zach Arias, Arias is doing his videos about it. And everybody's talking about this. And, and of course everybody's going ape about it because it's like, it's always this kind of camera. And you know, you get hooked into that a little bit just cause you know, you're a gearhead cause you're a photographer. But when I, when I bought one, I sort of took a chance and then I looked at the pictures and it, and it even did more for my, my uh, visual voice as we, we like to talk about, um, like that in combination with what I was taking pictures of people and the quality. And I want to say it's film like, because, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, getting maudlin about, you know, film and stuff like that. But there was an aspect of film that, um, that I miss and it wasn't necessarily the quality of it. There's something uh, sort of intangible about shooting with film and I, I probably too long to get into in, in this discussion, but the Fuji sort of had that. And in the meantime, it's also a small camera. Yeah, right? So just to give, I guess for, for people who haven't seen these cameras, so be, so this is an interchangeable lens camera. Yes. No, it's a it's a it's a fixed. Okay, so it's thirty-five a, millimeter lens. Thirty-five so it's millimeter. It's a twenty-three millimeter. Sorry, twenty. Sorry, twenty. I got a. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's a twenty-three millimeter lens, which is the equivalent of about a thirty-five millimeter on a full frame. Okay, so effective focal length thirty-five millimeters. Thirty-five millimeter is. Okay, I'm trying to think back to my 35mm. That's sort of halfway between a traditional wide angle at 28 and a traditional fixed focus lens at 50. You're sort of halfway yeah. between those two, which is an interesting place to be. Yeah, it does It does uh, a couple of things. It, it, uh, my, my X20 had the equivalent of a 28mm lens, which I really loved. But that can be a little too wide for doing That's pretty other wide. types of pictures. Yes, it's great for doing street photography because there's so much that you can put in there. But, like, if you want to do portraits of people, it's too wide. Yeah, you're in their face. <laughs> yeah, it distorts people too much. And yeah. uh, uh, 50 millimeter would be too tight for street photography, I think, for me. So 35 generally has been the, sort of the sweet spot for street photography in general, yeah. uh, going way back when, you know. And, yeah, so it's uh, a little wide, but not too wide. Right. Yeah. And it does leave you some options for, like, if you do want to do portraits – uh, you can you can do something uh, decent without, depending on where the person is in the frame, without them looking too distorted, without them yeah. being almost a caricature of themselves. So it's it's a kind of a compromise lens. But okay, so it's a fixed focus lens. So there's focus. There, there's no mirror to flap up fixed, and down. Fixed focal length, not fixed focus. Yes, fixed apologies. Yes, yeah. on this show of all shows, we should be correct about these things. Since <laughs> I've spent how many times talking about deep technical details, so it's not a zoom lens. There's no mirror to flip up and down. So mechanically, there's no reason this camera shouldn't be nice and compact. So I'm guessing it is nice and compact. It is very compact. It's not, but it's not too compact. Again, um, you know. The, okay, the, let me. Okay, it's, so it's just the right size. Just to give say. me an idea, right? So you'd be familiar with an Olympus OM one body. Yes. So yes. the body itself thicker or thinner than an, an OM one? Uh it's probably a little. Th- Thinner. thinner. Okay. And the lens then, it's obviously not completely flat. There must be some depth to it. So what are we talking? I would say the the lens is about, uh, it's actually without the lens hood Mm -hmm. attached to it. uh, It's probably about like a half an inch, three quarters of an inch. 
it's with some so kind of pancakey, you know. Yeah, if you don't put a lens filter on it or a lens um lens hood. Okay, so about the width of a thumb, sort of sticking out the front of the camera. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not that thick at all. So like That's pocketable. Down. Yeah, strip. Oh yeah, strip down. I you know slightly big pocket. <laughs> you know, well, strip I, down. Yeah, I, I usually put a thumb grip on it so I can get a little bit of a grip on it. It's a little thing that you attach to the hot shoe of the camera. Oh. Um, it actually kind of makes the camera look like a film camera in some way. But what it does is my hands are – I wouldn't say my hands are slightly large, but I like a little bit more of a grip on it. Sure. And so I, I add a couple of things extra, and I, I add a lens hood to it to a, you know, so I can get some uh, protection from flare. So it it begins to grow a little bit. Um, and uh, so – but it's still very – it's a relatively small camera. And for the for the types of pictures that I can take with it – um, capable. You know, so, and it's capable. not heavy, I'm guessing, either. Not at all, no. And if I could actually just like do a side quick story for a second, is mm-hmm. that uh, in early 2000, the, the winter of 2015 16, I went to Jamaica for my, my uh, sister's wedding. She was getting married out there, and we were staying at uh, my brother in law's uncle's um, uh, guest house. And I was going there and I was like, this is the first time I'm going to Jamaica. And I'm like, Oh, I should bring, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to bring my D 7,000 and a 300 millimeter. And then it, like I started packing my bag. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to carry all this camera gear. And I'm really there just for the wedding. And, and I'm like, so I decided this is like the first time when I go travel, I said, I decided to just bring one camera with me. And it was that X 100 T. And I was like, I'm going to challenge myself to see if I can make do with just one camera and one lens. And you know what? It was like freedom. I was like, when I got there, the pictures that I took from there, I don't know if you want to put, I have a Flickr gallery of the shots I took there. If you want, I'll send you a link yeah, for it. Yeah, send me the link. That's um, the show notes. But it was like, it was, first of all, freedom was, I, I can't even describe the freedom. Uh, I wasn't there to photograph the wedding either. I'm not being, I'm not the f- wedding photographer, but yeah. I was like in this new place and what can I do with one camera? And the the, the variety that I could do with one camera and one lens was pretty amazing. Right. I mean, not telephoto shots and stuff like that, but just the variety. You would you wouldn't have thought that I was using one camera. So, um, yeah, that's my daily camera. It's small. It it looks unimpressive. You know, it doesn't look like a professional camera in some way. That I guess also helps with the blending into the background because exactly. if you had a big DSLR, you it would be really hard to blend in. Exactly. I I teach a street class at the place I work at, street photography class. Mm. Excuse me. And one of the slides that I put up in my presentation is like, you know, you want to have a small, inconspicuous camera because it not that you can't take street photography with big cameras. And I don't diss any big cameras. I'm not a, I don't diss any cameras like I'm not here to, like, put one camera above the other. I'm just saying, like, what's going to be more likely that you're going to walk around and take pictures with? And if you're going to take around a, you know, a Canon 5D Mark something or other with, you know, a huge lens, first of all, the thing weighs a ton. Not only that, people are going to look at you and they get, you know, sometimes people seize up when they see that, like that big camera go up to the face and yeah, it can be very off putting in general, you know? And, uh, and so like the idea, like, well, gee, if you have a small camera and you look like a tourist, you know, with it wrapped around, you know, put it around your neck, right. You know, wear white, you know, socks and shorts. <laughs> 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 totally look like you're not there. Like no one is going to take you seriously and they're just going to go about their business, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, big cameras have a place in the world and and, and that's fine, you know. It's, it's just the right the, tool for the right job, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, the other part of that was that the smaller the camera, the more likely I'm going to take it around with me every day. Because if this thing becomes a chore – 
you know, if I, oh, I got to pack the bag and I have to, what lens am I going to use? And I got to bring this lens. And I'm out in the street thinking, okay, I got to switch lenses. That's not going to happen, not, right? Not going to happen. And you're just going to, you know, at some point you're going to say, that's too much. I don't want to take it with me. And then I'm like, you're not going to take pictures every day, you know? And Because I tell my students, you take pictures every day. This is how you're going to get, this is how you're going to get better, you know, at what mm-hmm. you're doing. So, and that's kind of what happened to me, I think, you know? Yeah, well, uh, 10,000 hours. No one's, no one's yet disproven that theory. Exactly. And, you know, this this um, kind of mistaken, in my opinion, a mistaken uh, thought process of like, well, that, that photographer is very talented. Oh, they're a natural at that. I'm like, no. There's no. nothing natural about it. It's 10,000 no, hours. No, it's like you you work, you work, you work. Because when I get students and they look at the stuff, like I show them Brisson's work and uh, Evan's work and Vivian Meyer's work, and they, I, I can probably see in their eyes like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And and then I show them my work, you know, and I'm like, look, I, I'm thinking the exact same thing when I started shooting. Like, I'm not going to be able to take pictures like anybody else or or over a high quality. It's like, dude, this is this is a skill that you work, you work, you work, you know, and that's the only way I think I've gotten better. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I can certainly look at my earlier pictures and look at the pictures now. And I'm like, I, I, I've gotten a lot better at what I'm doing, but it's not because I'm some sort of natural good, you know artist or something like that. And although the idea that you are spending time, you know, looking at art and, and, and thinking artistically can help, but you know, it is also kind of a skill, a muscle skill. Um, you know, there's a lot to it, right? Because there's, you know, there's becoming comfortable with your camera. If you're, if you're fighting with your gear, well, it doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't matter how good of an eye you are. You're going to miss every bloody shot because you're fighting with your gear. So, You've right. got to have the skill just – and the only way to get there is practice, practice, practice. Yes. And then – and that's all before you get to even trying to trying to actually be creative. That's just trying to be able to take a shot. So, yeah, that all comes into practice. But, but you've got to do those things simultaneously because I remember when I got the, when I got the X100T, um, I'm, I'm actually coming off of Nikon. And so I have to like sort of relearn how to take pictures with a new camera because everything's mm-hmm. backwards. I mean everything's Ooh. different. Yeah, and like the menu system, it's a very compl- actually it's a very complicated camera, and to, uh, for me to feel totally comfortable with it, it took me about about uh, three quarters of a year, nine months, eight months. I can believe. And that. some people are going to say, so you know, I I've actually pl- I've put that up on the board sometimes. Like I was like, well, I don't think the X100T is a good camera for for a beginner to start with. Uh, I think you know, working your way up to that is a good camera because it took me a long time to learn it. And people were like, oh, it only took me a day to learn that. I'm like, no. You know, you know, it's like, you know what? Like, sure, you know, you read the manual and you read everything and you figured everything out. But like, you know, it, learning a new camera uh, is not just about reading the manual. It's understanding like how all the pieces fit together. Like, oh, you know, you set this and then it can do this and it does this, but then it does that. And then, you know, there's a lot of combinations of things. And so, and especially coming off of an old camera system where, you know, Nikon for me was like muscle memory. Like, you know, I didn't have to look at doing anything to just be able to control the camera. Yeah, and cameras have quirks, right? Because I know for a fact yes. that my Nikons, they're all biased towards underexposing. Right, right. So you're constantly putting in just a little smidge of exposure compensation and it's always in the same direction. A little bit more like exactly. these Nikon. Right. You got to learn all the little eccentricities of the camera. So... You know, um, yeah, it took me a while to feel 100% comfortable with it. And, and now I don't even have to look at it. Like I know – like I, I, I dial three things and I'm done. I'm ready to shoot. And that's what I – you know, one of the things I, I tell students is like, you know, 
one of the slides says, read the blank manual. The fine, manual. Fine, <laughs> fine is the word, Antonio. Read the fine manual. Right. I, and and I, I actually show pictures of a manual. And I said, I said, you know, I say, you really want to know how to use your camera. Because if you're out there futzing with it, you're going to spend half the time looking down at your camera trying to figure out why is it doing this and why is it doing that. Yeah, and if your head's down, you're not seeing anything around you, exactly. let alone photographing it. Exactly. You know, and I do say, like, well, you don't really have to read the manual because the manual could actually put you to sleep. But They're so badly you know, written. But buy something. Even watch YouTube videos. Just, like, learn everything about your camera that is possible. But, yeah, once I learn it, you know, I am I am not in the street now thinking about exposure or, you know, uh, depth of field or anything like that. I'm, like, just, oh, there's something interesting. Click. And what's really funny is now I've taken a very expensive camera right, and turned it into a dumb camera. It's very smart. The, the computer and the camera that I've got is really intelligent and crazy and i've i turn a lot of that stuff off and i shoot i shoot in manual for the most part and that's not just because i come from switch to manual but it's like the kind of style of photography i do it's well the computer's there to help you but sometimes you know better right yes and and i always say that like i don't you know even part of when we do switch to manual classes i was like you don't have to always shoot in manual that's not what we're trying to say but like if you shoot in manual if you know how to sorry, if you know how to shoot in manual, then when you turn your camera to automatic, then you understand what the decisions the camera is making, and right, and you can say, you know, because so, a lot of people look at the camera like, why is it out of focus? Why is it blurry? Because you've delegated this to the camera and right, and it's, wrongly, it's making, right, and it's like, okay, well, it's at the shutter speed to a thirtieth of a second, and and that's why things are blurry. So you want to you want to understand that. So that's, you know, I. I yeah, how do you right. delegate a task you don't understand? So if you understand everything, exactly. then you can make an informed decision and say, dear Mr. Computer, I'm letting you deal with the aperture. I've decided that exactly. you're going to expose for one thirtieth of a second whether you like it or not. Now you make the rest work. Yeah, and and with street photography, the kind that I'm doing, because I'm always doing it while I'm walking, things have to happen fast because something, mm-hmm. you know, I see something walking, see someone walking by me and I, I've got like a split second to decide and then shoot and and see what happens. And you know what? I don't always get the shot. You know, it, it doesn't fine. always. Yeah. I mean, you were uh, it's funny. You were talking on your last episode about point of view and the stuff that we show and the stuff that we don't show. And I was thinking about that, like, wow, you know, like, what is the stuff I don't show? I mean, it's obviously technically bad, but like, you know. What what is it? You know, we we show a very highly edited version of ourselves. Yeah, when I, I, people say to me, "Oh, I mean, you're you're brilliant." I mean, I've never seen you take a bad picture. It's like, right? You've never seen me take a bad <laughs> picture. That's because I'm not showing you all the bad pictures. Right, I'm, I'm showing, taking them. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always so funny. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a high editing you know uh, ability to go in and, uh, and produce street photography. I mean, I tend to shoot in bursts. You know, so mm. I'm shooting like three or four shots. Uh, and you know, sometimes I'm, I'm missing it. Sometimes the person's walking a little too fast for my shutter speed, uh, or they're blurry or, um, because I didn't, you know, have the depth of field set correctly. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, and then I go like this, I go, shucks, I missed it. You know, oh well. I, I've gotten used to that. Like sometimes there was that, that shot that I was like, wow, I know this is going to be a good shot. And I, I'm like, boom, 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 and I walk by and then by the time I get to the train and I peek down at my camera, you know, I'm looking down I'm like, oh man, I missed it. Oh, well. You know, because you can't go back and redo it. No. <laughs> Hello, city of New York. Please rewind yourself. Right. Exactly. It's like a TiVo. Press the 30-second button to go backwards, which is... Oh, I, that I would be convenient. Myself. It would be. But there are actually times when I've seen scenes on the street that, like, I've tried to photograph and I didn't make it. And I, I've, like, literally, like, walked halfway around the block 
and come back and have another go. I tried to have a go because it, the situation was set up the same, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it again. I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but, uh, you know, and if I have time, I'll, I'll do it. But, uh, yeah, so, and and I'll shoot, uh, uh, mostly I'll shoot, like, on an auto ISO, so I don't want, I want the camera to be able to, you know, give me a certain shutter speed, and so that's where the computer or the camera comes in really well, and, the new cameras, the you know, the ISOs are getting much better. And actually, mm. I don't really care sometimes if a picture is grainy or not. You know, this is kind of like the old style of thinking when I'm, you know, when I was taking pictures with film. We would shoot with film, and when you shot with like ISO 400 film, you would get, and maybe sometimes you would push it, you know, the ISO mm. higher to like 1600. You would get very grainy pictures, but there was a certain look to it. And really, the idea like was that. like to get the picture. Yeah, I liked it too. I actually, it, that's part of what reminds me. This new, these new cameras remind me of the old days. It's exactly. like kind of like that old grainy kind of stuff. It's not. I, I was definitely never afraid of grain because I used to shoot with my thirty-five millimeter camera with uh, sixteen hundred ISO. Yeah, yeah. There used to be a film. Um, sorry to go back to the old days a little bit, but there used to be a I film from a company called Three M. Uh, it was called. It was a Scotch Chrome, and it was. Um, Rated at sixteen hundred, which I remember then was like, wow. Oh yeah, I, I had to go out of my way to find sixteen hundred. I think sixteen hundred. It was color slide film, and it created a green, uh, like a speckle. What we would call now color noise, right? Not ah, luminous okay. color noise. So there would be multiple like red, green, and blue kind of speckles in it, and there was a certain quality to it that was just knocked my socks off. And I would often take pictures of uh, sculptures with it because it just did something to the marble. Um, and it was grainy. It was grainy as heck, you know, and yeah. you know, it's so funny because I have a hard time reproducing that on the digital cameras now because like well, you really have to push that, that ISO up higher. So, but it's different. It, it, it's the noise in a digital camera isn't grain. It's different. Yes. Although, although that's one of the things that turned me on to the Fuji cameras because the noise in the camera was a little bit more film like a little bit more natural. And, and it's a weird way to say it because it's pleasing. It, Pleasing, but it, it, it looked less manufactured, if I can say that. Yeah, it I get looked, what you mean. I get what you mean, yeah, because, organic. yeah, particularly the chroma noise yeah. is not pleasing to the eye in the way that, I mean, like I say, I had no trouble with giant big grain. Never bothered me. But the chroma noise in particularly older digital cameras in low light, that's just, you know, the black shouldn't have spots of pink in them. I'm sorry, that's, that's, that's not that's good. True, yeah. And, you know, with street photography, it almost doesn't matter because we're not – I'm not trying to record something that necessarily has to be technically perfect, you know. I mean there there are fine lines between like, well, what am I trying to say with the picture and is the technical, you know, adding to it or subtracting from it? And if it's subtracting from it, then I don't – then I don't show it. But, you know, if it's – if the shot is, you know, grainy, noisy, whatever you want to call it these days, if there's a person in it doing something that's really unique, you're not going to – I'm not going to see the technical, I don't even want to call them flaws because it's, you know, we all can use these things to our advantage, but Hmm. you won't see the technical issues with it, right? You won't see the graininess or the fact that the blacks are, you know, um, are are, are very solid and they're showing no detail. You're looking at whatever the subject is. And that's, that's kind of what I love about street photography because there's so many different, you know, open options for presenting the work. I mean, sometimes this kind of stuff doesn't work. Like you wouldn't want, if you're shooting beautiful, big landscapes, you may not want to have a lot of grainy noise in the picture because then you'll obscure some of the detail. 
Yeah, you the, know? The, the problem isn't that it's noisy. The problem isn't that the image isn't perfect. The problem is the imperfection is taken away from the story. Right, right. And then you're focused on those imperfections, you know. So the, the, sort of the way I like to think about this is there's rules of grammar, right? right? And then there's literature. And as a literary device, you can intentionally break the rules of grammar. That is imperfection. But you know something? It might actually help tell your story. I think so, yes. And and, and it's great that you uh, you can learn that over time. And... Uh, I always try to tell people, like, you're not going to do this overnight. You're going to have to work it, work it, work it. And you're going to find out where those rules will bend for you. Because especially when I'm showing new students, you know, new students come into the class and they're like, you know, I said, why do you want to take street photography? Oh, I want to learn how to do better composition. And I want to learn, like some of them say, I want to learn how to use my camera. Like, well, you know, we're not a technical class, but like, let's talk about composition. Like, let's talk about like how you guys hold the camera. You know, everybody walks around, they hold the camera. Eye level, horizontal, right? Yeah. And I love to show them pictures, you know, especially street photography pictures where, you know, photographers got down on the ground. You know, some great shots from uh, – a great shot from Elliot Erwitt is uh, – he's also a native New Yorker. And I think he's still alive. I hope so. He's a great photographer. He's got this great shot of a ground level. It is with a telephoto lens, but it's a ground level and it's a chihuahua with a little outfit on, a woman's – feet and in boots right mm-hmm. and then this is how your eye looks at the picture you see the chihuahua then you see this woman's legs and then you see these two feet of a great dane <laughs> and <laughs> and it's like a, it's a it's a street shot right this guy's going around he's shooting but he's getting down on the ground and he's mm-hmm. showing at, at a different perspective and like my idea is like okay the the grammar like you're talking about like we all know the basic grammar is like hold the camera horizontal at eye level and, you know, everything looks the same. And, like, what you're talking about is like, well, let's let's change the wording a little bit. Let's, you know, let's yeah. put the camera on the ground. Let's put the camera sideways, you know, vertical shots. People Often people don't shoot vertical. Let's stick the camera next to the water. Let's, let's uh, you know, overexpose the picture. Let's underexpose the blacks. Let's do that. You can, you can only get that through, I say experimentation, but you got to go through all the shots. You got to keep doing. It. You're not going to learn it all in one day. You got to keep going. It keep going. You keep going. You know, look at your body of work. You say, okay, this works. This works. Yeah, and that the other thing is, a big part of it is getting it wrong. Like you're yes. going to discover ten thousand ways that it doesn't work, and that's not yes. a problem. That's that's good. Well, that is that is good, and 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 the patience to. Uh, to 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 go through all this stuff, and and the other part of this, I think, really, like for me to to get better at my street photography was really not to stay isolated, but it was really to sort of start finding um, places where, or people who I can show this stuff to, you know? Um, so sharing became, ah, boy, that's such another, that's a whole nother story. I was just going to say pictures. at 51 minutes, we're so not going into the social media thing because no, no, but, I, but, I have but, a lot to say about it. You've had a lot I mean, right. I, at some stage, I actually think I do want to have a conversation with you about it because yeah, if I can throw in just a quick two yeah. cents, I won't spend too much time with it. But I I I spend time a lot of time on Instagram posting my pictures. Then I had a hiatus this year for about six months, and I ended up going back. And the kind of primary reason was that I was just really having a hard time um, being able to get my pictures being seen and part of my goal i think with the street photography is is to let people see what my world is like and if i don't show that 
then I'm not sure what I'm what I'm doing, right? So if I'm not well, just you know, as, as a viewer of, or a consumer, as a, I'm not sure what the word is, but as yeah. as someone who who sees your photography, it, you're communicating very effectively a taste of your world to me. You know, and that's what I love about looking at your photographs because it, mm-hmm. it's to say it's different to where I live is putting it excruciatingly mildly. It's it's a well, very different universe, and I love your I love seeing your view of that universe that is so alien to me. Can I can I just put this in because I I do talk about this in a class. Like I say, like what is, what is street photography, right? And people, oh well, you know, you go out in the street and take pictures. I'm like, well, can you do this in Iowa? Can you do this in Alaska? And they look at me. I'm like, yeah, of course you can. Street, I said street photography is really not a great name for this, right? So like if uh, if I transport myself to Ireland, mm-hmm. you're going to see the same kind of pictures. That I do here because just with I'm different really, people in a very different people living a different life, but the same right. aim. You're going to see that you're going to look at your you're going to look at my pictures of stuff that I do in your neighborhood, and you're going to say, like you're going to know a that it's me most likely, right? Yeah, because um, you'll know my style. But I'm you know just as I'm, I'm sort of piggybacking on on the last episode that you did about point of view. My my I'm not going to change my necessarily my perspective of the way I see things. I might a little bit because, you know, the environment does have something to do with things. I mean, certainly if I'm in Alaska, the pictures are going to look a little bit different, but you're going to see my vision translated through, you know, the lens and the location, but you're going to know that it's me. It's not going to look too different. Yeah, when you're you look still going to fr- notice the things that you notice, whereas I'm exactly. going to notice completely different things. So. Right. It's actually one of the fun things because so much photography is geotagged is to look at someone else's pictures of your home place. Right. <laughs> because they will be different to yours. Yes. It's actually a very good thing to do, I think, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, uh, you know, and that's part of the, you know, I mean, again, not a social media thing, but this kind of part of being involved in this is the, these are the tools we have. And so like for me to like take myself out of the the social media realm for a little while like i'm also i'm i'm holding back people seeing where i am i'm also holding myself back from seeing other things and so so i'm i'm kind of back in that and yes i would love to do a show with you talking about that because there's there's other issues about social media that that uh, are beyond the scope of what we're talking about but you know the, the idea of having a purpose to like show these pictures like this is what street photography is i mean i i i'm really out to explore and see my neighborhood and and other places I go to through my eyes and and share that and and like you said you're you're looking at it and you're seeing my point of view right yeah so definitely. You, you know it's me and you're seeing my the environment that I live in and and you're getting an idea of something you know yeah because uh, it's a, there is an infinity of possible photographs you could be taking, but you're, there are things that, you, that are catching your eye that you're thinking are worthy of sharing, and that's what I'm seeing. So it's very much the Antonio Rosario view of Brooklyn. Right, exactly. And I think that's how we set our, ourselves up to, to, to be creative and to have a, a voice. And, I mean, that's the whole point of me doing this stuff is like this is how i this is how i express myself i'm a i'm a product of new york i was born and raised in new york i was in a in an environment where it was you know diversity was that is the norm right mm-hmm. and when i'm in a place that's not diverse it's a very odd experience for me because <laughs> it just it feels not the way i i spend my well, time it, it's funny you say that because okay i've traveled to america a few times and so 
it's not it's a different thing but it, it, I remember feeling like this place is so alien and the reason was because <laughs> in Ireland you are completely immersed in the fact that there have been human beings on this island for thousands of years uh-huh. You know, you, you go up to the Hill of Tara and see stuff that's from 3000 BC, 5000 years ago. When I went to America, nothing was older than 50 years. And right. it <laughs> freaked me out. It was the weirdest thing to have. I didn't realize that the sense of continuity was something I take for granted. And it was just uh-huh. gone. And it, oh, was it an alien experience to me? Yeah. Yeah. And then and vice versa, when I go to some place that's... Uh... You know, for me, that's old like that. And it's like, whoa, you know. <laughs> you know yeah, but to I, me, it's I, normal, right? It's, of yeah, I know. Of course, a ruined church here from 400 AD. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's funny because I'm having a little bit of that experience as I'm going back and digitizing my slides because I went to a lot of places like in uh, – spent a, a couple of summers in Greece, you know, and oh. talk about old, right? Yeah, they, and, they got history there. <laughs> right. And I'm looking at – I scanned some or digitized some slides of the – uh, Parthenon or or other buildings on the Acropolis, and I'm looking at that stuff, and I'm like, whoa, it, this is like not you know Fifth Avenue, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm so and you know again the difference is like when I'm traveling and I'm shooting old stuff, and I haven't done that in a while, but you know, I, you know went to Italy once and traveled in Tuscany and looking at old you know you know all the streets, all the towns there are all you know medieval towns, and. Um, you know, I come back here and I'm shooting street photography and all the buildings in front of me, like, you know, I'm living in a building that was built in 1962, right? And I mean, the earliest buildings I see here are in the turn of the 20th century, like the uh, yeah, late 1800s. Or... Yeah, early 1900s. And I think those are old. I mean, they, of course, they're, they are, but nothing like, you know, uh, looking at my stuff from, from traveling in d- different places and stuff like that. So, um, but what I like to capture, you know, in, and I don't know if I said this already, but some of my street photography, I like to capture – there's an oldness to the people that I photograph. And I think it's not an oldness in terms of physically old. But what I like to see because I've got so many cultures in my neighborhood, but like I like to try to capture um, the, the cultures that the people bring with them because a lot of them are coming from old but They cultures. all seem to have a story to them. When I, when I look at the people who who you choose to share – they they all strike me as a kind of it's the kind of picture you can sort of lose yourself in for a while because you're thinking this human being has history. There's, mm-hmm. They you know yes. you could sit down with them and they could they could tell you some stuff and you you could be there for a while. Yeah, I, absolutely. And uh, I might have mentioned this. I don't know on what show whether it was my show or Sid and Mac. I can't remember. But it, something occurred to me that. Uh, it was a little profound because I photograph a lot of different people. Now, I don't photograph homeless people generally, and I won't get into the whole story about that, but sometimes I do. But, you know, I photograph people who may be a little down and out uh, in the world. And again, I'm basing this just on the what I'm seeing in the mm. picture. Like, I don't know what their story is. But I'm guessing that for a bunch of people who I'm photographing that they don't actually have photographers in their lives following them around, taking pictures of them. Right. You know, it's like, you know, and I started to think about that. Like, are there people in my photographs that, especially multiple people who I photograph multiple times because I see the same people in the neighborhood, like, have I become their documentarian, you know, in some sense? And that kind of blew me away when I started thinking about that. Like, is that, is that possible for some people? And there's a few people I look at, I'm like, yeah, this is a, 
there might be like there's a there's a homeless guy actually who, who stays in front of my building and I photographed him once and I th- I can't remember whose show I was talking about. was it on this show we were talking about it Ooh, um I don't know <laughs> I uh, listen was, to too many podcasts Antonio I don't know what's on my show and another people show shows. with Mark Pauly we were talking about um pictures that meant something to us that sounds like something I would have d- d- and it sounds like it would have been on this show if it's yourself and Mark. That's I, I think it was because then I talked about a, a shot of uh, Neil Armstrong and I'm sounds pretty sure very, it was a show. Anyway. Yes, that sounds there, very much like this show. Yes. It was the show. And I, I talked about the, another shot that I that I photographed of a homeless guy in front and I, I walked in front of him and I cast a shadow on him and I took a picture of him. And and I, I've seen him a couple times. I think that might have been like one or two shots I've took of him. But I realized like the guy is homeless and I know he's homeless. Hmm. And I think I might be the only person, you know, unless there's another photographer walking around and shooting him. But I haven't seen that. I might be the only person who has actually recorded this guy a few times. And that became something of a, like, holy crap <laughs> kind of thing, like a, a set of respons- a responsibility uh, and something that I'm not sure about how to take yet, you know. And so I've seen a few people, uh, and, and again, not necessarily down and out people, but just like in general, like people I photographed multiple times. And like, am I their documentarian? And not counting the person who's taking pictures of them with the cell phone, if that's indeed a case, but, you know. I, I got the feeling that some of the people I'm recording, like I might be their only photographer. Yeah. And, and that weighs on me a little bit. Um, but again, it's a thought, you know, it's not, I'm not sure what the reality is, but it, it becomes something of like, okay, I gotta be a little, I have to have, I have some responsibility as a photographer. Uh, if I'm, I'm recording people on the street and, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to remember that while I'm taking pictures, I'm not there to r- ridicule, uh, I'm really there to show people cause we're all kind of the same. We all have the same problems. We all struggle with a lot of the same things. And if I can show that in my pictures that we're all, we're all the same, that we all have these things that we can resonate with, with the next person who's like in a different world, then maybe I've accomplished a little bit of what I'm trying to do. And especially more for myself, cause I'm really not taking pictures for the world. I'm really mm-hmm. taking shots for myself and, you know, hoping that uh, something in the shot resonates with me. And it usually does because that's why I take the picture. So that's kind of a – I went off a little track there. <laughs> no, no, it's um, – I'm going to ask you, Antonio, if I can have you back on because I'd say I'm only about a half way through what I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> okay. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because if you think about – if you sort of take a step back, we've gotten as far as pushing the shutter, but the, the photographs I see you post look like there was something – more done to them than just pushing the shutter before they were shared with the world. And I definitely want to talk to you about the the look of street photography and the look of oh, your street love, photography. I would so, love to share that with you. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right. I mean, there is there is a depth to this thing that we do in photography. And you know, if you want to cover it all, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk to you more about it because yeah. it's also part of the process. I think it's important as well so so i think this is a good place to to call an end to our first conversation about street photography because we've basically we've gotten as far as we've we've got our gear together we've walked outside we've decided what we're doing and we've pressed the shutter mm-hmm. and then we can pick up the conversation <laughs> from that point next time because okay. and, the story and, continues and as we're getting into the fall season as as we begin to hibernate a little bit and i, I begin Run to away process from the cold yeah, I begin to process more of my pictures that I haven't uh, processed. That would be uh, actually a good timing on that. So, yeah, Perfect. that would be great. 
Excellent. Then I will definitely. It's a monthly show, so it's not going to be immediately. But I am definitely. I definitely. I have. I have a giant big underline here on the little notes of things I wanted to ask you about. It's like, oh, I'm halfway through, and we've had a really good conversation for an hour. So, Antonio, thank you very much for your time. do you want to just remind people? I'm sure they remember you, but anyway, let's let's remind people of where they can find your stuff and basically okay. what you do online. Uh, yeah, so um, any place you look for me, you can look for me on any picture site at AM Rosario. So A M R O S A R I O. So on Flickr, 500 Pics, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, those are the big places I hang out for my personal stuff. And then I also um, do a podcast. Uh, from my other site, Switch to Manual, the podcast is called Street Shots, and that comes out twice a month. In fact, I think I have to, like I said, I have to record a show today or tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say, today is the 29th. 29th, yes. I do it twice. I do it on the 15th and the 30th, more or less. I'm trying to do two episodes a month, and it's it's working out. So, yeah, look for Street Shots on iTunes and uh, the other streaming services I'm there, and I talk about photography and uh, switch to manual. Uh, also on Twitter, so the switch the number two manual is how I'm how it's written, and on Instagram. But switch to manual dot com is where we where I've set up a site for trying to teach people to learn manual. But it's a little under construction now. I actually lost my site, and I have to rebuild it. So, uh, so yeah, so look for me on Twitter more. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you. Thank you. This was great. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as uh, I enjoyed making it. It was really great to catch up with Antonio again. And I'm very much looking forward to recording the follow on show to this. It's I won't make any promises when it'll be. It will be soonish, but it's a monthly show. So soonish is, is a vague term. Uh, it probably won't be back-to-back because, generally speaking, other ideas come to me. So, but anyway, soon I will catch up with Antonio again, record the second half of that conversation, and I'm sure it will be just as much fun as the first half. Um, in the meantime, Antonio has given me some photographs to include in show notes, so I'm going to do that, and you will find those at lets-talk.ie. While you happen to be there, you'll notice there's some big blue buttons under the heading support the show. Um, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who does support the show in any way, shape, size or form. And also to encourage people to support the show if they enjoy the show. Um, Now, when I say support the show, it doesn't have to be financial, right? Tell your friends about the show, tweet about the show, mention the show on your own podcast if you have your own podcast, blog about the show, share the show on uh, social media of some sort. Talk to people about the show. You know, just sharing the show is extremely helpful. That is how podcasts grow. Um, I also want to take a moment to really thank everyone who has supported the show financially. I really do appreciate it, and it makes a huge difference. So for all of you who have clicked on the PayPal button over the years, thank you very much. Um, I use the PayPal money to help me to buy non-recurring things. Uh, so... New hardware, new software, that kind of thing. Um, at the, Right now, the second I am looking at my beautiful boom stand for my microphone, which makes recording the show so much easier, and that came out of um, PayPal money, so thank you. Um, and then the other very obvious button there is the Patreon button, patreon.com forward slash ltpod. And Patreon lets you pledge a small dollar amount per show published, and it's one Patreon for both Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography, so it's two shows a month, so if you want to give me a dollar a month, 
pledge 50 cent per show is sort of that that's how it's going to work right whatever you pledge per show is going to be multiplied by two per month um it's it's a great way to give money in small amounts in a very efficient way paypal fees don't make it practical to give small dollar amounts over paypal but patreon is just perfect for it and the great thing with patreon money is that it's reliable um so the idea is that recurring bills get paid for out of patreon um and one-off stuff gets paid for out of paypal and what i want to do is break even and you know i won't say it's even to the cent but it's pretty darn close to breaking even at the moment which is wonderful um a real relief because right now, financially, I'm just not in a place where I can afford podcasting to cost me money. It has to break even or I'm going to have to stop doing it, unfortunately, which makes me very sad. But hey, this is this is life. Um, so those of you who support the show, you are literally the reason this show continues to exist. If the Patreon money dries up, I will have to stop recording the show. It, it just is that simple. That's horrible. That's true. But it's true. So you guys make it possible. You guys keep the lights on. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay, um, as I say, letstalk.ie. Thank you again to Antonio for chatting with me. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, I'm Jake Adams. And I'm Peter Searle. And together, we are Nanobytes! Alright. A brand new channel with the express purpose of bringing fun and variety to your computer, TV, smartphone, or anywhere else. We've been making content in different forms on this site for years now. But we figured now was as good a time as any to really knuckle in and do something a bit more focused. But Jake? Yeah, Pete? What kind of videos can you expect to watch here? On this channel, you can find lots of things, like comedy, horror, parody, drama, and even action. Whoa, now that's some fun stuff you got going on there. That's right, Jake. And we have all of that and more. So come on in and take a look. I'm Jake. And I'm Peter. And together, we are Nanobytes. Forget it. Yeah, that's good. I don't... I don't...